Hello. Today's Tuesday, and you know what that means. It's a brand new episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. We're celebrating our 50th episode, and to commemorate the occasion, Lucas and I are going to present to you today the 1987 Arnold Schwarzenegger action classic Predator. So, without further ado, we present to you Predator. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper, and now it wants us. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle, it just came alive and took him. It kills for pleasure. He was skinned alive! It hunts for sport. He's killing us one at a time. But this time, if it bleeds, we can kill it. It's picked the wrong man to hunt. Ah! Arnold Schwarzenegger, Predator, rated R. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. Hello, and welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. Today, uh, our episode, we're celebrating our 50th episode. Who would have thought we would have lasted that long? Well, uh, 50 is longer than I last in bed. Oh, yeah. Long shot. Touche. And uh, for those of you that uh, don't recognize that voice, that is my co-host, Lucas, who's been on, what, two or three episodes in a row now? Uh, Something like that. I'm on a roll. Yeah, you're doing, doing all right. Um, with this being our 50th episode, uh, I want to do something really cool, really awesome movie. Because I think we had Scream locked into this spot. Because uh, Scream turns, what, 25? Yeah, Scream turns 25 this week. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe that movie's that old. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to save Scream for another time. Uh, we opted instead to do argu- arguably one of the top 10 Greatest action movies of all time, at least in my opinion. We're doing Arnold Schwarzenegger's Predator today. And it is very machismo, very awesome. Oh, dude, that this movie is the epitome of machismo. I mean, there is so much testosterone f- uh, flowing through this movie that uh, I'm debating. I have a 10-year-old son, and mm-hmm. I'm debating on showing this to him because I have to accept the fact that one day he will be a man but I also don't want him sprouting chest hair at 10. <laughs> this will do it. Yeah. His, he'll watch this movie, and then the next day, it's like when uh, Peter Parker gets bit by the spider in Spider-Man or like uh, in Big when Tom Hanks becomes the adult. It's just how he's going to be after seeing this. So I'm holding off on showing it to him. <laughs> Walks home with a couple of like 25-year-old ladies on his arms. Yeah. Yeah. Two, that's cell name short. I think three. Oh, my bad. At least three. Would the Godfather's, like, Pimpin' Ain't Easy song entrance theme be playing? <laughs> oh, God. I don't know how I would react to that. I really don't. <laughs> well, we'll we'll save uh, that for another episode. But uh, when was the first time you seen Predator? Uh, probably when I was a kid. Um. You know, actually, I just watched it the other day, and it's probably only the second or third time I've ever seen it. Really? Yeah, I haven't seen this movie a whole lot. I know I do remember it as a kid seeing it because, uh, you know, like I've said before, uh, we may have uh, <laughs> illegally had uh, HBO back in the day. Mm-hmm. So uh, watched it on there when I was a kid. Right. Yeah, this is uh, one of the like a lot of the movies we've done, especially like the '80s stuff. Is the stuff that uh, was a staple of my childhood because we watched movies all the time on uh, Showtime and HBO. 
This movie was on all the time when I was younger, so I've fuck I've seen this movie at least fifty times. Wow. Uh, it's Nothing one of those. That. <laughs> it's one of those movies that gets it gets played in my house at least once a year. Like I'll sit down, like I'll either catch it on TV or like I'm in the mood for something like mindless and just awesome to spend two hours. So I'm like fuck it, I'm watching Predator. It's a good idea. You could do worse things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking when we were doing, uh, I was doing some research on this. Now, can you? Do you think that this is probably one of the, like, if you're pitching this to a movie studio, I mean, can you think of, like, a greater premise to sum up, like, in few words, like, just summing it up as, like, group of commandos in the jungle fighting an alien? That's pretty much Sold. it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the 80s. Like, this would have been just absolutely up every studio's, you know, in every studio's wheelhouse. Oh, dude, like the, the coked out uh, 80s. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that, oh, yeah. like, somebody came up with this idea, like a couple screenwriters, like, they're f- like, fuck, I can't think of anything. You know, like, I'm wasting my time here. I'm just going to move back home to Iowa. And then, like, they meet somebody. They go on a bender. Next thing you know, like, they've been up for 78 hours straight. And they <laughs> say, I got this wild idea group of commandos will put them in the jungle and there's this alien in the jungle that's going to kill them. And they're like, this buddy's like, fuck, that's an awesome idea. So they do some more and then like they hash out the script. Boom. We've got Predator. I just imagine it being some kind of rock star like, man, that's like a super good idea. You should write that, man. Have you ever been around anybody that's been on that? Uh, like a bender? That's, yeah. Uh, not not that kind of bender. No. I was going to say, yeah, because uh, if you're talking to somebody that's been doing uh, the snow, they're not, hey, man, it's more like they're like the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, do you remember the Micro Machines commercials as a kid? The guy talked really fast. Uh, no, I'm probably aging myself. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Oh, It sounds like uh, you're talking to an auctioneer. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, slow down, man. I'm not trying to bid $1,500 on this script, okay? <laughs> um, for those of you that are not familiar with the Predator franchise, they've uh, spawned three yeah, three sequels. Predator 2, which takes place in L.A. with Danny Glover, which I used to hate. But then I've seen mm-hmm. it recently. It's like, yeah, it's not bad. Um, I've never seen Predator 2. Oh, really? It's I've never got- seen any of the sequels or the prequel. Uh, the prequel actually isn't out yet. It's coming out, I think, next year. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I've never seen the sequels. Uh, Predator or, or Alien versus Predator. I didn't watch that. Oh, those movies stink. Oh, okay. Not a, I don't like them at all. I thought that that was, to me, Alien versus Predator was a better premise than Freddy versus Jason, and even to an extent, Batman versus Superman, and they just fucked those up. They fucked it all up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they did Predators, which has Adrian Brody, where it takes place on their planet. Actually pretty good, I think. Hmm. And then they did, uh, a few years ago, Shane Black, who actually stars, or is one of the uh, commandos in the original, wrote and directed The Predator, which I wasn't very fond of either. Hmm. Well, you know, not every sequel hits like Terminator 2. That's right. I figured, though, with as many shots of this, at this as, as they've had, they could have at least done one that was not quite on par with the original, but pretty, pretty good. 
I don't know, rehashing ideas like this nowadays. It just seems like it's just kind of th- they they try to make it too mindless. Yeah, I missed a coked out eighties. <laughs> oh, some of the best shit like movie wise ever comes from this era. Right around this time too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned earlier that I, this to me this is one of the I'd say top ten greatest action films of all time. Uh, I think it does. It blends the sci-fi, the horror, and the action genre very well together. That's why I put it in my top ten. Uh, how do you feel about Predator? I mean, is this upper echelon type stuff for you? Uh, as far as just like like you said, mixing all three of those together, absolutely. Um, I wish I could say that I've watched enough action movies to really like rank really well movies like that, mm-hmm. um, but I can't. But it, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the shit out of watching this movie. Oh, yeah, this movie's fucking awesome. Yeah, I, I, I can't complain about it. Because like you said, it's just mindless fun. And then, you know, it's a bunch of tough guy commandos who by the end of it are shitting their pants because there's an invisible alien walking around trying to kill them. Now, this isn't... Uh, I know we're skipping ahead a little bit to, you know, one of the categories, but... I love the intro to his team when they get off the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Just how like oddly dressed they are. Like Jesse oh, yeah. Ventura's got an MTV shirt on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mac has a three-piece suit on. Uh, Billy has what looks to be one of them 80s track suits. <laughs> and then Arnold looks like he had just shot 18 at like a, the local golf course. He's got the polo and like the, the slacks. With cigar, right? And he's like a total badass leader. Yeah, yeah. Like he is a fucking rock star on that helicopter ride. He's like, yep, this dude, this is the man right here. I'm gonna follow this man into any jungle. I don't know about all that. I, I'm not a fan of jungle scenarios after seeing this movie. Like, I will not be in <laughs> a jungle anytime soon. Afraid uh, you might get murdered by a predator. Yeah, exactly. I just hear that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. I'm done. All right, well, enough of the chit-chat. We'll get into the categories, shall we? We shall. All right, Tale of the Tape here, uh, released on June the 12th, 1987. This stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, Sonny Landham, Bill Duke, and Jesse Ventura. Directed by John McTiernan, who has probably one of the greatest action movie runs of all time. He did this movie. Then he followed this up with Die Hard. And then he did, a few years later, he did The Hunt for Red October. That is uh, it's three classics. Yeah, I seriously, I would have quit after that. Like, it's not going to get any better for me than this. I'm out. <laughs> I can't do anything now. I'm leaving. Yeah, that's like uh, Michael Jordan winning the three championships in a row. Just like, it's not going to get any better than this. I'm going to go play baseball. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to start directing TV or, like, commercials after this. Uh, The Rotten Tomatoes score for this one is 82% from critics, 87% from audiences, uh, made $98.3 million on a budget of 15 to 18. I've seen the numbers kind of fluctuate a little bit on that. Uh, No awards, although it did get nominated for an Oscar for Best Visual Effects. Hmm. Makes sense. I mean, the... The way they do the uh, the camouflage is really cool. Mm-hmm. And this is streaming on IMDb TV 
which is an offshoot of uh, Amazon Prime. It's one oh, of their okay. channels on there. Very cool. Uh, but you have to watch it with commercials. Uh, you know. Which stinks, but sometimes at least you can watch you, it somewhere. Sometimes you get fucked by commercials. <clears throat> mm. All right, the William Somerset Research Corner. Now, I thought this was extremely fascinating. Uh, did you know that Jean-Claude Van Damme was cast to play the Predator? Yeah, yeah, I read about that, but he was... He couldn't move in the suit. It was too heavy or something. I seen three or four different uh, reasons why he ended up not playing that. Um, the uh, one was uh, he was too short, which I think Van Dam was like five seven or five eight, hmm. which yeah, I I, mean, I think makes sense because I mean Arnold's six six two six three, and right. I. It's, it's kind of hard for like a little miniature alien coming around, although. That would that would be a completely different movie. That would be a comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, fucks this guy. <laughs> flip him with his fucking, just flip him. Yep. Out of the way. Um, yeah, but I think the the predator has to be kind of physically imposing. I think he has to tower over Arnold. Yeah. Which makes him scarier. So yeah, I don't think that would have worked. But also, I'd seen that he got extremely overheated in the costume to the point where he passed out a couple times. Yeah, it makes sense. Because I... Because they were, they were in the actual jungle, weren't they, filming mm-hmm. this? Yeah, and I had read that he thought that he was going to be, like, some kind of ninja-type creature, that he wasn't expected to be, like, in this big, bulky outfit. Then they, his first day on set, they test him out in the suit, and I guess his suit weighs, like, 60 pounds. Oh, really? Yeah, super heavy. Because uh, the guy that ends up playing the Predator, they have to put him on like this uh this wire setup to get him to be able to move and act oh, it's yeah. so bulky. That's wild. Um and I also had seen where he complained about not being like you wouldn't see his face on screen. So I guess he made it two days into filming and then they got rid of him for Kevin Peter Hall. Which he's a tall guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah he's seven two. Oh well that'll do it. Yeah. And I, he makes a cameo. I think he is. I think he's the helicopter pilot that drops him off, or he's the one that picks uh, Arnold up I think at the end. Pick him, they pick him up. I think is what I read. Uh, screenwriters Jim and John Thomas, unlike the scenario that I presented earlier, they did not go on a seventy-eight hour coke binge to do this. Uh, but they were inspired to write the screenplay after they had heard a joke about uh, Rocky Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you that have not seen Rocky Four, first off, shame on you. But secondly, he defeats uh, Ivan Drago, this gigantic, unstoppable Russian killing machine. And after the Rocky Four, they said uh, there's nobody left for Rocky to fight on Earth, so he has to fight an alien. Oh, yeah. So they decided to hash out the screenplay where this alien comes into Earth as a hunter. So They were just on a coke bender watching Rocky Four. Let's... let's... That's the that's probably the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this one was super hilarious, and then once I read more about the actor, uh, it makes perfect sense. 20th Century Fox, their insurance company, wouldn't insure the film unless they hired a bodyguard for actor Sonny Landham, who plays Billy, mm-hmm. the tracker. Um, and when I first seen that, I'm like, oh, like, has he had stalker issues or, you know, like people trying to get him no they needed to hire a bodyguard to protect other people from Sonny Landham 
Because apparently he has oh. a very short and violent temper, and he often got into many, many fights. Well, I mean, when you look at him in the movie, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, uh, I did a little digging on that guy, too. Apparently, he ran for uh, governor of Kentucky. Oh, yeah? Yeah, which uh, I got a couple other little uh, fun facts about that here in a minute. But uh, he ran for governor of Kentucky and lost. And they tried to run for Senate, and he said, uh, made some very disparaging remarks about uh, people from the Middle East. So, Yikes. yeah, he got quite a bit of trouble for that. And of course, he didn't win. Good. I mean, if you're going to make disparaging remarks about a group of people, you're a dick. Yeah. Uh, he just passed away not too long ago, too. So now he's a dead dick. Mm-hmm. The Predator's blood was made from a combination of KY jelly, uh, that substance that you find inside glow sticks, and mm. Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew is the one that is the part of it that actually glows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not the <laughs> anything inside. I think the glow stick substance is Mountain Dew. It might be. <laughs> Please don't anybody drink that. Yeah, don't. It's not. For the love of God, don't drink that. But if you're going to, you do you, boo. <laughs> I told you I'd get that in there. Perfect. Um, I, I, I don't know why I even included this, but I find it funny. Apparently, Montezuma's Revenge hit the set of the film pretty hard as most of the cast and crew were stricken with diarrhea because of water purification issues at the hotel. Oh, Montezuma's Revenge. Uh, Schwarzenegger uh, and John McTiernan were the only ones that really weren't affected by it. Schwarzenegger was trying to lose weight to not give off that big bulky appearance. He thought that being a, a commando, he needed to be leaner. Mm-hmm. So he lost, opted to lose weight on purpose, whereas McTiernan was fearful of getting the real bad diarrhea, so he just opted not to eat much while he was there. Well, that works. I mean, he uh, he did a good job avoiding the shits. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last one I got, um, did you know that this movie – Spawn two future governors for the United States. Uh, Arnold, Jesse Ventura. Mm-hmm. Yep, Arnold was the governor of California from two thousand and three to two thousand and eleven, and Ventura was the governor of Minnesota from ninety nine to two thousand and three. Hmm. This is a uh, this is a machismo politician creating movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like. Still to this day, just dick measuring contest. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, as I said, uh, Sonny Landham tried to uh, run for governor of Kentucky, but lost. I believe uh, one of your unnecessary, like your unnecessary scene pretty much explains all the machismo about this movie. You need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one I've got is uh, 69 daddy <laughs> uh, people, humans were killed in this movie. One scorpion, one boar, one predator. That's the body count. <laughs> uh, 69 people. Uh, when you stop and think about it, it doesn't seem like a whole lot. I mean, That's it seems like there should have been more. Yeah. Especially when they go into that little village and just wreak havoc on the gorillas. Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck, Arnold lifts a car off the <laughs> off of blocks and I, that had to have blown up at least 20 people right there. And it seemed like it blew up about 45 times, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, 
the you know the scene where Arnold covers himself in mud and the predator can't see him. Mm-hmm. Well, MythBusters prove that that doesn't conceal your body heat. Actually, after a short time, the mud on your skin becomes warmer. So now the you would actually sh- show up better to the predator. Now MythBusters has done that before, where they basically just shit on a, a movie by proving that what they do is false, right? Yeah. MythBusters. Well, they, I'm, yeah, it's just something fun, you know, because you, when you're a kid or somebody watching the movie, you're like, I wonder if I could cover myself in mud and protect myself from a alien from another planet that's just out there to murder the shit out of me. It turns out, nope. I I have never thought of that, like, to protect myself from a predator. Like, if I would have tried to cover myself in mud, just like, oh, I'm just going to see what this is like and just do it. <laughs> what? Just go out there and roll in mud? Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing that, like, a predator didn't hit Woodstock 94. That's true. Because, I mean... Everybody had been gone. Yeah, because it just, they would have put off so much body heat or 99. But apparently if you watch that documentary, those people are covered in shit. Yeah. That's not mud. Not mud. That's you. That's human mud. Yeah. Um, predator only has eight minutes of screen time in this whole movie. That's it. Just eight minutes, which I think makes it, makes the tension of the movie even better. Mm-hmm. But oh, also, yeah. you know, uh, leans toward that horror, horror part of it. Yeah, it works the same way that uh, the shark in Jaws works. You don't see the shark hardly at all in the movie, and that's what makes it so thrilling is the fact that you don't know what's out there. Right. And you don't know where he is and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, so uh, there's a scene where uh, Dylan and Dutch are arguing with each other, and um, Dylan says, we're not expendables. His crew are not expendables. Uh, as of 2020... None of the actors who played in Dutch's crew appeared in any of the three Expendable films, except for Arnold. <laughs> mm-hmm. He appeared in all of them. Most of them, I could see them not showing up. Um, I mean, Ventura has long stopped acting. Uh, Sonny Landham, wild card. Uh, I don't think I. I don't think Bill Duke. I think Bill Duke might have passed away. And then uh, Shane Black is an, actually a very notorious screenwriter. He's like well-renowned screenwriter in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually surprised they didn't get him to write this or the Expendables movies. But Carl Weathers is a bit shocking, though, because Carl Weathers was like kind of a big deal in like the 80s. He's fucking Apollo yeah. Creed for crying out loud. Right. And also the star of a very underrated action movie from the 80s called Action Jackson. What happened to him after the 80s? Do you know? Uh, well, he became Chubbs. He's That's Chubbs true. and Happy Gilmore. He's on The Mandalorian. Yep. Amongst other saying, things. Like, most of the 90s, he didn't really do much, did he? No, nah, he probably that? just appeared in like... I think after Rocky... like It almost seems like once he got killed off in Rocky, it's like, killed off his career. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Until he becomes uh, Chubbs. Yeah. Well, now he's got, you know, new life is in the Mandalorian. Yep. All right. Good stuff. Um, oh, good. Oh, I still got, I got uh, one more. Oh, you've got one more. Okay. I didn't mean to catch off. Oh, no, you're good. Um, it's not confirmed, but widely speculated that Chief uh, Hopper from Stranger Things, uh, the name actually came from the first dead 
uh, mm-hmm. Green Beret in Predator. Okay. Yeah, I thought that name sounded familiar when I watched it uh, last night. Yeah, so the the Stranger Things takes place in the 80s too, so I think they're kind of using it that. Makes, like it makes out. sense. Yeah. Um, one thing that I didn't write down here, but I was thinking about it when we were talking about it with the special effects, um, the elites in Halo do pretty much the same thing that Predator does where they go invisible, and it looks exactly the same as that. Oh, does I don't it? Know. Yeah, I don't know if they took inspiration from that for it. I'm sure they probably did. But, yeah, it looks very similar. Speaking of... Uh, that's all I got. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure that they probably did because, I mean... Realistically, anything post ninety six or so is like really you just start uh, borrowing from other things. And plus, imitation is a serious form of uh, flattery too. So it's true. I mean, I'm sure to imitate you as a good host on here or co-host. Actually, you're imitating me as a horrible host. Ouch! But we've stolen, but we've stolen ideas from other shows here. On our show, too. You got to do what you got to do. That's right. Is that all you got? I don't mean to cut you off any further. No, you're good. That's all I got. Okay. The I Drink Your Milkshake Award for the best scene of the movie. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Um, This one was kind of tough to narrow down as well. Um, But I'll let you go first. Who? Uh, what do you have as your favorite scene of the movie? Uh, the final battle between Dutch and Predator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that whole sequence, especially when he's in that tree hiding from him and the Predator's like crawling down the tree. Like that would be fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, he lights that fire and shoots him and stuff and then crushes him with the, he He was going to stab him, but the Predator was too smart for that. So he crushes him with that uh, big tree counterweight. Mm-hmm. thought that was all really cool. Yeah, that that whole montage is pretty good, too, where he's using the jungle since he has no weapons left. Mm-hmm. We all know you love a good montage. I do love a good montage. Uh, that made my honorable mention list. I got, that's a really cool scene. Uh, for me, though, my favorite scene in the movie is when Dylan and Dutch, which, bonus points, I've always wanted that nickname. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've always thought that's just the coolest nickname. Like, fuck, I wish people called me Dutch. But I, think uh, I might start doing that now. Whenever we go out anywhere, I'm just going to call you Dutch. From please now don't, because I think there's nothing worse than coming like you giving yourself a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> that would make it even better. Then, uh, but yeah, the uh, the handshake, arm wrestling sequence where they they meet up. Like we were talking about, how like this is just a a, a man's movie. Like that's the start of everything, right? Like this tells you exactly what you're getting yourself into when they are just lathered up in like that bodybuilder butter that they oil themselves down with. Yeah. I mean, like they look like they just got out of a pool when they do this. Yeah, and they're fucking arm wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then of course it has that Dylan, you son of a bitch. That's uh it's a very famous line of the couch potatoes. Mm-hmm. I believe uh we use that quite frequently. Yeah, I, it's our favorite scene because, like, whenever you and I haven't seen each other in a while, we always reenact that sequence. Every time. And we always seem to – it's 50-50 of whether we even get it. We nail it or not. It's like we either <laughs> miss horribly or we get it right on the money. <laughs> Think about the uh, the comedies where they go to high-five and completely miss, so like Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, that's kind of how we do this. 
And plus, like, oh, we don't even mean to. Mm-hmm. We don't even mean to miss. Yeah, and I, I, I for me, just sentimental value, just because, like, yeah, that's how you and I greet each other, and we haven't seen each other in a while. And plus, that scene has lived on, what, Predators 87, 30, 30 some odd years later in gifts and memes. Mm hmm. It'd be uh, 34. 34, thanks. Uh, I was born 13 days before this movie came out. Oh, well, another fun fact that I wasn't expecting to hear today. <laughs> But yeah, that's my favorite scene to me, just for that reason. I mean, it's not the best scene in the movie, but just that's my favorite scene in the movie, just for what I said. But it's going to get the award for best scene because it means so much to the Couch Potato podcast. That's true. Yeah, we got to give it to that, just for that reason. Yep. All right. Um, that was pretty easy. Although, I mean, we kind of agreed on like the, the fight sequence with the Predator Dutch at the end, too. It's pretty cool. We'll say it's a 50-50 split then, just we'll, because the, the one scene means so much to us. Yeah, we'll give it to the, uh, the the reunion between Dutch and Dylan. There we go. The I Don't Like Sand, It's Coarse and Rough award for the worst or most unnecessary scene in the, uh, the movie. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. What do you have first? I'll let you lead off with this one. Uh, so it, it's also part of the best scene that I had. Um, when the Predator sets his self-destruct and fucking nukes himself, which that's hardcore uh, for one, but when he's laughing, he sounds like the guy from the Thriller video, and it's really fucking stupid, and I hated it. Well, isn't that supposed to be uh, Billy's laugh because he mimics that laugh early in the movie? I'm pretty sure that's what that's supposed to be. Uh, I don't. I know he does mimic people. Uh, it, it might be. Even so, I still thought that was kind of lame. Well, yeah. I mean, you remember that scene when uh, he's spying on Billy and Hawkins, and Hawkins tells him that Billy that joke, and he finally gets Billy to laugh. Mm-hmm. Which I never really paid attention until today, but it seems like Billy hears the predator mocking or like him trying to mimic that laugh because that's what spooks Billy. Never yep. really paid attention to that till today or last night. Makes sense. But uh, uh, I, th- I think that's what he's trying to do when he's laughing is he's mimicking Billy's laugh. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, I thought it was kind of lame. Like I would much rather the predator just be like this stone cold fucking killer that doesn't say anything, but just, you know, nukes himself. Mm hmm. Uh, I mean, you, he's pretty much going to nuke that whole island. I mean, might as well have some fun with it, right? I, I guess so. Hey, it's like, hey, I didn't think I was ever going to get to do this, but here I am. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> um, my award, uh, it's not really like a bad a bad scene, but it's kind of unnecessary, but it's also what makes it cool is the uh, when uh, Blaine gets killed, when Jesse Ventura gets like basically his chest shot open. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mac finds, like, basically sees the Predator take off. And he starts firing gun, like, firing at him. And he takes uh, Old Painless, Jesse Ventura's gun. It starts that's bowing down that. name for a game. Yeah. I think that's what my wife calls me, Old Painless. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then, like, once, like, Dutch and the rest of the guys hear that gun going off, they all go down there and they just start mowing down that entire p- portion of that jungle. Yeah. 
And it just like it goes in slow mo and it lasts for like th- what three four minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it's not really a a bad scene. It's just kind of unnecessary. Like we don't really need this, but then it it's you're just talking part about of the machismo. Yeah, like unnecessary violence and gun yeah. gunfire. Mm-hmm. Well, shit, the one guy Mac shoots it so long that he just he keeps holding it down when it's out of bullets for like a, a solid 30 seconds. I read somewhere too where that uh that gun is kind of unrealistic to to have because it requires a power source. That sounds about right. And the ammunition would weigh at least 100 pounds by itself. I mean, just in terms well, of big guy, but Yeah, I, I did read one thing that I didn't include in my uh in my research, uh, Arnold talked the uh, the outfit guys into convincing Ventura that his arms were bigger than Schwarzenegger's, mm-hmm. and then it turned out that they weren't because Arnold told him that they weren't and what he what he had done, and it pissed Ventura off. Well, I guess they had a bet too. It was like a bottle of like real expensive champagne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why he was so mad because he had to pay up. Well, I guess that's uh, also, too, uh, Ventura gets his revenge. I guess uh, they were filming a scene 48 hours before Arnold had to fly back for his his, uh, rehearsal dinner for his wedding. Mm -hmm. And Ventura kept fucking the scene up by making Arnold laugh. (laughs) Yeah, I read that his uh, Arnold's ex-wife, or is it his wife? Yeah, they're not married. Okay. Uh, was not too happy about that. Mm. Not a great way to start off your uh, marriage by pissing your future wife off. Right. Well, I mean, it is Jesse Ventura. I mean, as crazy as he is, that'd been kind of cool. Like, okay, it's Jesse. We'll cut you some slack. <laughs> oh, that's old Jesse. Uh, it's just Jesse being Jesse. All right. But yeah, I mean, like that, that scene where they mow down the jungle, though, just like not really needed. It's still kind of cool, though, that like they just unload all that ammo into the forest. It's almost like, it's almost like they did him a favor. It's like, okay, we were trying to put like a, a strip mall here, but, <laughs> but getting a demolition team and like, you know, a bunch of lumberjacks gonna cost too much money. Might help us out a little bit. Not a problem. Worry, guys. We, we uh, cut down uh, an area of the forest, the size of a football field with some bullets. Yeah. Arnold just like not a problem. <laughs> um, the King Kong ain't got shit on me award for the best line of the movie. King Kong ain't got shit on me. What do you got? Uh, well, this is gonna come as a shock, but uh, Dylan, you son of a bitch. I I wanted to put that one down, but I figured you were gonna do it, so I didn't. But that one's fucking awesome. Um, I have a uh, an honorable mention as well. When uh, Predator takes off his helmet, and Arnold looks at him, and he goes, "You're one ugly motherfucker." Mm-hmm. You're one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my honorable mention. Those are my two uh, nominees. My Arnold's kind of bad, so forgive me, guys. I'm not even attempting right now. Uh, I have "I Ain't Got Time to Bleed" by Blaine. Jesse Ventura's character. Um, oh, yeah. What did he say? I ain't got time to bleed. And then um, 
uh, Poncho says, like, you got time to duck? He shoots those <laughs> grenades up. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm giving it to that one. That I think that's... I think that's kind of the iconic line of the movie. Actually, I think Jesse Ventura's autobiography is called And I Got Time to Bleed. So he wrote a book after he uh, got out of the politics, and I think that was the name of the autobiography. Is it autobiographic? Oh, never mind. The autobiography. There you go. Um, I don't know why I struggled with that. I'm surprised that you didn't include this one that I actually think is a more is probably the most popular line. It's still used today. Get to the chopper. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. I forgot that that was in the movie until I watched it a couple nights ago. Yeah. That, that one's probably the line that has stuck after all these years. Mm. The most of, like, popular culture, honestly. Yeah. I... That one's pretty good, too. But I, I, I don't know. Like, I think Dylan, you son of a bitch, is going to win, though. Well, it Just for personal to. reasons. Yeah. It's, it's the catchphrase of, of us. Actually, we should... I've, the more we talk about it, I was even thinking of a recon, like renaming the King Kong and got shit on me award to the Dylan, you son of a bitch award for the best line of the movie. <laughs> that may happen at podcast, some point. We can do it. Yeah, whatever we want. Maybe that'll happen. It seems to ring off the tongue a little better. The Dylan, you son of a bitch award for best line of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to the McLovin award for the best supporting performance. I am McLovin. Uh, this one was really, really tough for me to come up with one nominee. Um, I really like uh, Blaine, who's played by Jesse Ventura, and I also like uh, Mac, who's played by Bill Duke. I think uh, Mac is probably, out of the secondary characters, the most fleshed out of all of them. I mm-hmm. mean, when his best friend dies, like you see how much it, it affected him after that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I'm, even though he's a piece of shit human being, I would say it's probably Sonny Landham's Billy. It's a good nominee because he's, he's the one that gets them to the point where they're at, you know, towards the end of the movie because of all of his tracking ability. Well, that, and realistically, when you look at his team, I think that Billy is the one guy that, like, you absolutely don't fuck with. And when yeah, he well, said, yeah. like, Sorry. he's, yeah. he's the one that like, like, okay, this is like the, the baddest of the bad right here. And then when he says he's scared of what's going on in the jungle, it's like, oh shit, it's, it's real now. Yeah. And when he says we're all going to die out here. Mm-hmm. And then, like, plus, yeah, he has that. Make and plus, that, like, you know, his death, he basically says, you know, fuck it, I'm, I'm not running from this dude anymore. And decides to go after him himself. And you don't really see what happens to him. I mean, you know what happens to him, but you don't get to see it. Yeah. And he, like, carves that, that big uh, cut in his own chest. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I think out of all the characters, he's the one. I, I wanted to give it to Ventura because he had the fucking old painless but then i read old painless isn't like a realistic weapon i was like fuck man i kind of kind of deflates it a little bit for me yeah um i had uh predator really (laughs) 
Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, just the whole being fright frightening throughout the whole movie and barely being shown. You don't really know at first how he's killing everybody. Um, I just thought, you know, just eight minutes of screen time, he was the mo- he was the best, you know, role player to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty iconic character too. Like, I would say. Hmm. I think like uh, I'd say the modern day like monsters. I'd say the predators mm-hmm. probably, well, probably up there with the xenomorph from the alien movies. I mean, I, that's why that that whole concept of the two of them fighting sounded so cool when they said like, "Oh, alien versus predator." Like, fuck, where do I where do I pre order tickets? Right. And it turns out it was a big letdown, but yeah, like yeah, it's a very iconic character and. If he's fucking frightening because you just don't know where he's at. Because he can go fucking invisible. He can be right behind you. Yep. Plus, he makes that cool noise. That <laughs> yeah. I can't do it as well they, as I used to. But I wonder what they did to make that noise. It almost sounds like a cat. Well, um, uh, who was the? I think the guy that did the voice of Optimus Prime in the uh, Transformers cartoons does the voice mm-hmm. of the Predator, and I think he took. It's some kind of, like, slug, like a bug of some kind. He heard it, like, he flipped it over. He heard it get flipped over, and it made, like, a gurgling noise. And he thought that would be a cool voice for the predator. Well, that's interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds nothing like Optimus Prime. That would have been really weird if he, like, (laughs) took that helmet off. You're like, all right, roll out. (laughs) Prime? I don't know. That's a... That's the bad guy on there. Yeah, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Um, did you have a nominee for the Eric Stoltz Award? Because I did. I did not. Oh, you did not? But I would like to hear your uh, nominee. Uh, I, I, I'm going to fuck this up, but hey, what else is new? It's an episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Uh, the El, El Padilla Carrillo is Anna. Um, that, that's about right. Yeah, I mean, she's not bad. I just feel that character as a whole is kind of unnecessary. Well, I mean, I get she's got information. They're taking her back to interrogate her, but. Well, I also think she's kind of like, she kind of calms down all of the masculinity a little bit, makes Mm -hmm. them think a little bit about humanity more than, I think she's like the human character of them all. Yeah. And I think the whole reason towards the end that Arnold's trying to save her in the first place is because he remembers that, you know, he's human. He can't go around killing everything. Mm-hmm. Kind of how I felt about her. Yeah. I don't know, I just, I felt like it kind of, you could get, get the same thing without having that character involved. I agree with you. I mean, she, she was a little unnecessary. I just think that was the idea behind her. It could have been. Yeah, I mean, you could axe that character out of the movie completely, and it's still, you don't lose anything. It's not like you're cutting out Dylan or something. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, like, she's she's good in what she is. I mean, it's kind of a shit part to an extent, because, I mean, you're really, you're kind of, at the time, like, Arnold's on the cusp of being, like, one of the biggest stars in the world. 
So, you mm-hmm. mean, you're not really going to steal any screen time from him. But, yeah, it's just one of those things where they could have cut that character out and it still works the exact same. Right. No, I agree with you. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, outside of that, there's really nobody. I think everybody else is cast pretty perfectly mm-hmm. for what they do. I mean, it's essentially, it's just, what, how many guys are in his unit? Like six or seven? Something like that. Yeah, because there was uh, Dutch, Dylan, Billy, Mac, Blaine, Poncho, Hawkins. Seven. Probably missing somebody. Seven. We'll call it, We'll go seven. But if, if not, if somebody's wrong, if I'm wrong, it's not the first time I've done it on this show. Probably won't be the last <laughs> well, either. We'll settle on seven. All right. The Magnificent Seven. Which actually, a little... Now, the tidbit, uh, Arnold wanted to do, like, a Magnificent Seven-style movie. That's one of the reasons why he was attracted to the this movie, was he wanted to do something like that, like, guys on a mission type of movie. Mm-hmm. Mission accomplished. <laughs> hey, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, it almost got a laugh out of you. Almost. <laughs> almost. I, I kind of consider myself the avatar of the audience when you try to make a joke. <laughs> Uh, do you uh, did you have any unsolved mysteries of the movie? I know like the that and the Stoltz are like the ones that like either we do or we don't. So I always I figure I'm just gonna start asking now before we go forward. Um, I just thought of one. If you'll humor me for a second. Oh, humor me away. Join me. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. I think. Uh... I think Mac and Blaine had a little thing going on. Because <laughs> he, he uh, you know, obviously you'd be upset about your best friend dying, but he went a little above and beyond, kind of like he just lost his lover. Well, I don't think it's so much that, but, I mean, it's... like I can't speak because I've never served in the military, but he makes reference to them being in some really, really really tough shit during their time in the military and like even makes a point that like everybody around them dies, but they made it out. Okay. And it's just one of those things where like they've had experiences in the military serving together that like, that's a bond. It's like, I don't think that they really were like best friends. I think they kind of were more like brothers Mm -hmm. just because of like all the shit they've, they've gone through. That makes sense. I just, it just seemed uh, not even just his response, just the way that they talk to each other. Some of the time it seemed like there was a little sexual tension there. I didn't really catch that at all, but <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I don't know what movie you were watching, but <laughs> I didn't I catch the that at all. Predator movie. It was on uh, Pornhub, right? Yeah. It could have been like, yeah, the free stuff. Yeah. You didn't get, we're not even going to, not even going to like, put this in the premium tier. Just like, we'll give it to you for free. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think that's it. I think it was just the fact that those two have been through so much together that, you know, it's like he lost his brother when he got shot. Plus the way he goes out too. It's just, yeah, he gets shot through the he fucking blows his spine out through his chest. And it's like, it's just like a red mist. It's all it is. Yeah. It's why it, that was one of the cool coolest deaths in this movie, though. Yeah, it makes me wonder if 
this movie were to be remade today, which please don't get any ideas. You don't need to remake this. If they would have shown the aftermath, because they don't, you only get to see like a little bit of what's left of, of his it. rib cage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure they would. Most movies, you know, I mean, shit, we've been desensitized to so many things that, mm-hmm. it, you know, it probably wouldn't bother us. Yeah. Um, the only one that I have is, uh, where'd they get so much ammo? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's like, do they have like one person that just carries around like all the ammunition? Cause like, Alone, them storming that compound would have been enough to take out most of it. Right. But then they have enough left over to basically wipe out that whole section of the forest. And then they still have some left over after that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like a, you said, those, those bullets were like 100 pounds. And he had how many different like rolls of that? Mm, I am going with... The tried and true answer to any time we come across one of these where we can't answer it, good old-fashioned movie magic. Movie magic. Yep. Just don't even think about it. It's like they just got a shitload of ammo. Just fucking roll with it. <laughs> well, like you said, this is supposed to be like one of those mindless action movies. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the last award that we got, I know you struggled trying to figure this out at the end. Hopefully, us talking before the uh, the show kind of help clear your mind out a little bit and you come up with a good one. But uh, the I'm the King of the World Award for who wins the movie for you, so. I'm the King of the World! Um, I wrote down John McTiernan. Okay. Uh, be- because this was one of the three movies that were just iconic action movies. Just more iconic movies, period, really, you could say. Mm-hmm. You know, Die Hard, uh, this one, and... I'm drawing a blank where all of a sudden. All the three that he did in a row? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Predator, then it was Die Hard, then it was Hunt for Red October. He might have done something in between, but, I mean, when you've got those three, it's kind of easy to forget the ones in between. Yeah, so for me, the way he directed it, um, just mindless action machismo mixed in with a little bit of horror and sci-fi. It's it's a pretty perfect action movie, really. Mm. And um, I think he deserves a lot of kudos for that. And I think this also, like I said, helped him springboard to uh, Die Hard. Um, now, you said that the, the producer, you know, on this was also on Die Hard, so that probably had something to do with it. But I think if Predator would have bombed, he may not have, you know, gotten that role. As yeah, director, uh, so. Joel Silver was, uh, I don't think he makes too much now, but Joel Silver for probably a good 20 plus years or so is like anytime there was an action movie made that was big, his name was attached to it. It was either yeah, him I've, or I've it was, actually heard his name. Yeah, it was either Joel Silver or it was uh, Simpson and Bruckheimer. Yep. Um, yeah, they were pretty much like anytime there was an action movie that needed to be made, it was like one of those two groups were doing them. Um, I'm trying to think of who, who is the inspiration for it. Joel Silver. Have you ever seen true romance? Mm-mm, I don't think so. Oh, uh, okay. Well, the, uh, Saul Rubinette character is, uh, he's kind of a coked out movie producer. <laughs> uh, he is inspired by, uh, Joel Silver. Oh, nice. 
Um, like some good old snow, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I was uh, looking it up. Yeah, um, McTiernan did uh, Predator, then Die Hard, then The Hunt for October right in a row. That's a, that's a pretty imp- impressive slate of three movies. And then he also did uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, too. So he went... Uh, that's number three, right? That's the third Die Hard, yeah. So he went which with... Is- one of the, which is probably what the second, second best. best one? Yeah, it's easily yeah. the second best Die Hard. Um, yeah, he did a Medicine Man in between Red October and Die Hard with a Vengeance. Then he did uh, Last Action Hero. No, he did Last Action Hero. Then he did Die Hard with a Vengeance. And then he kind of started kind of petering out a little bit after that. But, I mean, I like Last Action Hero. Oh, yeah, Last Action Hero, I think it was just the problem with Last Action Heroes, I think it was just a little before its time. I think yeah. it would have worked much better now than it would have back in what, was that 90, 93? Yeah, 93. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Without it in front of me, I wouldn't know. Well, I had to uh, do a recall because I remember it came out a week or two after Jurassic Park, which that movie was oh, just okay. a juggernaut. Yeah. Um, my nominee is Arnold Schwarzenegger wins this movie. Hard to argue that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is the movie here. Like, I'm trying to think of what he had did. So I think he did Running. I don't know. Remember whether Running Man came out before or after this one. But I think this is the movie that makes him a movie star, and I think this mm-hmm. is the movie where he takes the king of the action movies away from Stallone. Because Stallone was like the king of the action movies for a long time. And I think this is a movie where he takes that crown from him. And then basically, Arnold is probably the biggest movie star in the world from about 87, 88 till I'd say pretty close to the late 90s, early 2000s maybe. Well, maybe before that, because I think Eraser was like the last, his last gasp to be like an elite movie star, which Eraser's not that great. He kind of was starting to become like kind of, he couldn't sell a movie the way that he used to. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. I'm I'm kind of looking at like, yeah, Eraser was 96. That was pretty much his last real good action movie. He had the sixth day. Oh yeah, he starts... Everything starts to go downhill for him after Eraser, yeah. Yeah, collateral damage. Um, I like the Expendables. I think those are good. They're okay. The first one's all right. Movies. I don't even think I bothered to watch the third one. I haven't seen it either. But uh, what, you got his filmography up? Yeah. Uh, look up 80, like go up to 87, see if he made The Running Man before this or after this. Uh, Running Man came out, looks like, before. Okay. That makes more sense then. Yeah, because he had been in some, like, kind of, I think, Command, like, the original Terminator and Commando were kind of, like, his big hits. But then after this, he starts rattling off, like, what he did. uh, I think after Predator, was it Total Recall? Uh, Let me see. Red Heat. Oh, yeah, that one. That's Belushi and uh, 
Schwarzenegger. It's like a, a American cop and a Russian KGB agent trying to track down a killer in Chicago. And then he did the comedy Twins. Oh yeah, see, yeah, uh, he was. That was a huge hit too. And, and then he apparently appeared on an episode of Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> yeah, he directed Tale an episode too. And uh, then he was in Total Recall. Yeah, then Total Recall led to what T two. Kindergarten cop. Oh, kindergarten then cop. T2. Then T two. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But I either mean, way, I mean, it's still a great run. Yeah, outside of Red Heat, I mean, he pretty much becomes the biggest star in the world after this movie. Uh, what, what did you say the release date on this one was? It was June. It was June and night or eighty seven. June twelfth. Okay. Uh, Running Man came out in November of eighty seven. Okay. Well, still the Running Man's. A, was a pretty popular movie too. I don't think it was quite as popular as this one at the box office, but I think I think I remember it was a, a, a hit. But still, though, I mean, like after this movie, I mean, I think if this movie bombs or if it just it sucks, like I don't, I still think Stallone's the king of the the action movie box office. But yeah, Schwarzenegger, I think, just takes it from him after this and runs with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, like Stallone really. Like loses steam after, uh, I think Cobra was eighty six the year before. Which have you ever seen Cobra? Mm-mm. Oh, that that we're gonna have to do that movie sometime. That movie is f- fucking horrible, but it's like horribly awesome. <laughs> okay, um, I do like I do like uh, bad good movies. But yeah, like after Cobra, Stallone kind of goes into a a nosedive for a while too until cliffhanger. And that was like 90, I think cliffhanger is 91 or 92. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, by that time, like Schwarzenegger is like the king of the box office. So yeah, he steals it from Stallone and just runs with it after that. So, uh, we're in agreement then that, uh, Schwarzenegger is going to take this one. I think, I think Schwartz, you have to give it to Arnold. Yeah. Just because of the run he went on after this. Right. And I mean, honestly, if you look at this movie, do you think Stallone stands? I, I like Stallone. Don't get me wrong, but do you think Stallone stand? Like, would you believe Stallone has a better chance of beating this creature than Schwarzenegger? Nope. Yeah, I don't think. I think Schwarzenegger is the only one I could think of that would. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't buy Stallone quite as much standing a chance than like Schwarzenegger. I mean, Schwarzenegger's like okay. I think at least even if they kill off the Dutch character, like, okay, at least he's going to have a fighting chance at this guy or this right. creature. Stallone, I, I don't think so. Which, actually, that, I, I'm kind of surprised they didn't kill him off. I know that, you know, it's meant for him to come out as the hero, but I also think that would have been kind of a cool ending, too. You know, I'm honestly surprised that they, since they didn't kill him off, they, like, they haven't been able to get Schwarzenegger to come back. Maybe he learned his lesson with all these shitty Terminator movies he's been making. Yeah, well, that that's the thing that gets me is like, you know, Terminator 2 is arguably one of the five or six best sequels of all time. Easily. Yeah, it's, prob- it's probably in my top five movies of all time. Right, which you can also hear on the Couch Potato Podcast, one of our first episodes, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Check it out on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. But, yeah, I mean, like, I don't understand why, you know, he's gone to the Terminator well, what he did. How many sequels has he done? He done 
Terminator, Terminator Two. He did Rise of the Machines. Three. Yeah. Uh, he did Genesis, and then he did that that Dark Fate. Yep. So he's done was five. He, he wasn't in the fourth one, was he? He makes an appearance. They uh, they come into that T eight hundred factory. Yeah. And it's like Arnold from eighty four. So I guess he's been okay. in all of them. Yeah, I don't maybe you know, sometimes when people do movies they don't want to touch them like after that because it's like their holy grail of of movie. So maybe that's his holy grail. Well, I mean, like that's not really that's not stopped actors from Going back to the well, I mean, Willis has done it with the Die Hard series. Harrison Ford's done it with Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Which he's still doing it with Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't understand why they couldn't have maybe come up with something that would have worked for him to come back into that Predator world at some at some point. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, Schwarzenegger wins this movie, though, easily. Yep. Yeah. Circling back around after we took a big detour, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, Schwarzenegger wins for sure. Um, well, before we go, though, Lucas, do you have anything you want to add to Predator before we head out today? Uh, no, uh, but I do encourage everybody to watch it because I did thoroughly, and if you like action movies, it is thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, and this is probably, for me anyways, this is the best era of action movies is the the mid eighties to like the mid, like that 10 year run from like 80. Well, pretty much from uh Stallone did first blood until probably the mid nineties is like the best era of action movies of all time. And this is like probably one of the elite movies from that era too. So, um, I wish I could argue with you, but I really can't. Um, I do like some stuff from 98 and 99, like matrix and, and uh, some movies from that era. The Matrix, which you can also hear on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts from uh, the Couch Potato Podcast. Thanks for plugging two of our old episodes, man. That's awesome. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Well, that's, uh, I don't really have anything that uh, to add that we haven't already covered because we'll probably get into some tangent that it just completely – we'll start talking about, like, fucking Jurassic Park for all I know. So I'm going to wrap this up. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, uh, thanks for uh, tuning in, and we'll talk at you guys later. And that's going to wrap up today's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. We want to thank all of you for joining us today. Coming up next week, we're going to drop our episode on Saturday, which happens to be Christmas Day, which uh, we're not going to tell you what we're doing, but uh, to give you a hint, it's going to be a holiday classic. And if you've listened to the Home Alone episode, we kind of tease what we're doing a little bit. So if you want to find out what we're doing, go check out the Home Alone episode and to uh, give you guys a quick reminder, this is going to be the last episode we're going to do until 2022. So we won't be back until uh, the first week of January. So until next Saturday, Christmas Day, we will talk at you guys later. Bye, everybody.